Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us at the FreightWaves Health and Pharma Supply Chain Summit. Uh, my name is Patrick Duffy. I'm the president of the Blockchain and Transport Alliance, BIDA. And I'm joined today with Suzanne Somerville, who is the CEO of Chronicled. Uh, Chronicled is the custodian of MetaLedger. And today we're going to be discussing the state of enterprise blockchain. There's been a lot of press in the, in the news recently um, about enterprise blockchain being dead. And so I think we're going to have an interesting conversation that is uh, potentially going to debunk that uh, headline and talk about what opportunities and challenges are coming out of the pandemic. Um, so Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you fill us in on your background? Yeah, thank you so much, Patrick, for having me. Um, as you noted, I'm CEO of Chronicled. Um, we're tackling uh, enterprise blockchain solutions in the life sciences industry uh, with an aim to really build uh, the next generation industry network. Um, but my prior experience was actually not in technology, but uh, running supply chain for a major pharmaceutical company, uh, Genentech. So I think one of the things that um, has been really valuable for us is both uh, the mix of really top level technologists along with industry experts to really combine the two, um, which I do think is one of the stumbling blocks with blockchain is that it's not just technology, it's actually um, a, crop, a cooperative structure and bringing the companies together to uh, utilize and benefit from this technology has been um, one of the things that's gone really well for us. That's awesome, and that's the point about it being a cooperative structure. It really resonates, and it's not only bringing the right people to the table, but uh, up front figuring out governance and addressing some of those really hard questions about what this network is going to look like, how it's going to operate, and um, what are the what are the goal outcomes for everyone involved. So, as a previous leader of a supply chain operation. You've seen technology stacks uh, evolve over time. Can you point to a single moment or something that drove uh, your interest in blockchain or DLT technologies and, and why you saw fit to, to found Chronicle? Yeah, so uh, in the United States, uh, there's a, a law that was passed all the way back in 2013 uh, that is requiring uh, the pharmaceutical industry to not only put a unique serial number identifier on every box of medicine sold, but also is requiring the industry to be interoperable. By 2023, it states that there will be an electronic interoperable system to manage the track and trace of prescription medicine in the event of suspect product. There are also complementary laws in Europe and many other countries in the world. And I think this is just, I'll, I'll call it 21st century technology finally catching up with how the pharmaceutical industry needs to operate and the security that can bring. Um, and it was really that law and the industry's need to start figuring out how to be interoperable that happened at the exact time that this thing called blockchain was getting much more notice in the world. Um, it was the first time I had heard of it. A lot of people in my network had pinged me to look into this uh, blockchain thing. Um, and that's where the journey started. Um, so we had the gift of a regulation that brought major leading companies from the industry together. And um, the work we've done with them has grown as they've understood the benefits they can get by um, working together. Suzanne, so you were previously running an international supply chain operation. We, we mentioned the, the piece of US legislation, the Drug Security Supply Chain Act. 
Were there also pieces of international legislation that drove your exploration of this technology? Um, actually, it's interesting. Um, the European regulation actually mandated uh, a system of country and EU-level databases. So they had already been off and running. Um, blockchain, I think, could still benefit what they're doing there. But the path to entry uh, had already been sort of mandated in a different way, where FDA purposely has left interpretation of the law open, and they're really looking for the industry to solve the problem, which gave the opportunity for us to build our first solution to meet part of the law. That was a product verification solution. Uh, all drugs returned to a wholesaler were going to need to be verified before they could be resold. It represented 2% of all drugs sold in the United States. And we built a very elegant decentralized solution run by companies and solution providers themselves that allows the manufacturers to put data uh, about their products on the blockchain and allows the wholesalers or pharmacies to upload that, if you could imagine, industry phone book uh, and route messages directly peer-to-peer -to, -peer, uh, to get the answers to those verification requests. Um, it's a beautiful example. Um, unfortunately, that law now got delayed by an additional three years, and that is part of the dilemma as we are going to talk about, is enterprise blockchain dead? Um, that it's, you know, fits and starts. It's hard to get people together. And then things like regulation put it back on the back burner for a couple more years. But the good news is we've demonstrated to the industry that the technology is ready, that solution is in production and running today, um, and can pass all their IT security requirements. So all that's left now is to figure out business problems that need to be solved um, and bring these companies together to do that. I think we just hit upon another one of the major uh, challenges and opportunities, this idea of co-opetition or collaborative competition where you're bringing together fierce competitors to work together for an outcome that benefits everyone uh, in industry more broadly. Um, have, what's your experience been with, with, uh, with the MetaLedger pro uh, product and mm -hmm. co-opetition? you know, what has worked in co-opetition and, and what is still a challenge? So bringing the companies together really feels like it has been working. There are shared pain points. There are processes that every company does. They're not competitive processes. You know, collecting revenue doesn't make one pharmaceutical company more competitive than the other. Um, so I think doing a lot of work and scrutiny on the use cases that can benefit all parties involved um, has been really helpful. That said, we still have points where companies get to a point either in their business decision-making or in evaluation that it still comes back to, you know, I'm going to put myself first above all others. And uh, so that, that tipping point uh, still is hard to get people to continue with that uh, cooperative mindset. You might have found two or three champions in the company, but now you're introducing all the other business components, the procurement group, maybe IT leads, business leads, um, and they may not have that same viewpoint. So I think it's a journey. And frankly, as there are more examples in industries that show how solutions can be set up and working, I think it will actually accelerate the adoption. People will realize what they're missing out on, and they'll figure out how to um, cooperate enough to get uh, solutions going. So I think that's another really nice segue. So real-world solutions that are working. I think mm -hmm. that has been you know, the biggest question that I encounter when I'm talking to 
C-suite executives about whether or not they need to invest time, resources, and the efforts of their technology professionals to explore how this technology can work for them and their customers. This this piece of of, of news had come out, you know, claiming that enterprise blockchain was dead. Uh, there's certainly uh, no shortage of people with opinions on on that statement. What's your take? So for sure, it is happening slower than people had expected. Blockchain has gone through a tremendous amount of hype. Everyone knows, and that hype is probably, gosh, four or five years in the making now. Um, and it's definitely taken longer to bring to market. That said, as I noted, we have a product verification solution in production used by half of the top 20 pharma and the major wholesalers. And our contract and chargeback solution um, is now complete and production transactions literally will be starting in the next few weeks. When I say complete, I'm talking integrations, testing, uh, all the IT security review. It's a, it's a long journey in this uh, industry. People don't take connecting core systems um, lightly, um, as been evidenced with uh, the hacks across the industry. But I would say my plug for people to get involved is um, what we've seen is that just going through the example of a project makes you align a lot of questions that you didn't know you needed to ask. We've had companies that have had to revise their firewall policies, their DMZ policies, because they're going to be communicating in a different way now. Um, and it's a journey, um, not just maybe with the business and procurement folks to get a, a contract done, but it's a journey of all the people along the way to understand the impact on their existing systems architecture and evaluate what might change in the future. Um, coming onto a project that's real and in production more than a POC, uh, I value all the POC work that the industry has done. And to give credit to the pharmaceutical industry, a lot has been invested in gaining blockchain expertise and running POCs. But POCs often end up uh, with an architecture that's actually not scalable and cannot grow to, to broader adoption. And so it really ends up having limits. So I, I'm obviously self-serving here, but coming on to projects that are in production and have been architected to really include the whole industry, I think is a valuable exercise for people to understand what the impact will be, not only gain benefit from that solution today, but really think through the architecture for the future. And, and talking about that technology transformation from the current state to the future state, how do you see DLT technology solving for traditional supply chain control tower and supply chain visibility challenges? Um, so much of the world continues to run on mainframes and green screens and the EDIs and the unidirectional nature of that information flow with EDIs is, is certainly uh, shown itself to be uh, challenging. Um, 2020 certainly brought supply chain visibility into everyone's living room. Mm -hmm. what's, what's this idea around industry networking 2.0 and what gets us there? So industry network 2.0 i think takes us from that edi world or email world you described for exchanging data and transactions which is literally just an electronic version of a fax if we if we think back to the the um, evolution of edi we want to take it one step further we should be able with today's technology as we exchange data and transactions to do live real-time business rule enforcement 
on that exchange of information and to actually adjudicate and settle transactions real time. We know the rules. Why can't we actually put them in code and do that real time? Today, that settlement can take weeks for the chargeback process, if not longer, not to mention dispute management. So we've now set up the technology that can allow this all to happen real time. We'll be demonstrating uh, the replacement of a couple of EDI messages with more on the horizon. And when we talk to companies, it's interesting. We can certainly focus on the business value that they can get, uh, but then real basic stuff like EDI pain points keep coming up as well. So uh, if anything, the breadth of business value that's going to come, better, more accurate data, uh, real-time data, knowing you're looking at the exact same data as your trading partner, uh, and EDI. And what's also, I think, really exciting for us, Chronicle is focused from the beginning with a blockchain ethos. And this is probably a little bit of a problem to address your transparency question. I think there's been a lot of people with a blockchain ethos that think everything should be open, all data should be available to everyone. Well, there's a lot of data about where drugs are that has business value to people. Um, it might reveal who their suppliers are, and they don't want uh, their customers to go around them to their suppliers. So being really thoughtful, as much as it's a dreamy idea, but full transparency to everyone is not a realistic outcome for businesses to participate in. Um, but how can we make the right information available to the right parties? And if nothing else, the validation that things are done um, in real time. So that's our vision for Industry uh, Network 2.0. And I think our solutions are showing a really exciting example of that. Um, but we also have to weigh how businesses want to participate in that transparency question. We can provide transparency or we can, I'll say this better, we can give the right information to the people who really need it, right? People still today, the way they operate are like, give me all this data so I know what's happening and I can analyze it, when actually all they may want to know is, is it coming or is it not coming? And they don't need to know the details of the transaction. But it's something to work through, and probably companies are going to have different viewpoints. And again, it'll be a different journey um, on how to get there. And, and as we think through how we get there, you mentioned you know, regulatory and legislative impetus for projects. Do you think it's going to be a regula regulation or legislation-driven uh, catalyst to see more widespread or ecosystem-level adoption of this technology in supply chains broadly? Or do you think it's going to be the adoption of this technology by uh, industry heavyweights, those that control a meaningful amount of transportation volume uh, or transportation spend volume mm -hmm. that's going to really move this forward? If I look at the last four years, I'm going to guess it's going to be a little piece of all of the above. Certainly some regulations and in industries will absolutely drive companies coming together, as we saw uh, for the U.S. industry. Um, and that will be an impetus to get some on the table. It already has. We certainly have examples of IBM's Food Trust and Maersk, uh, you know, bringing solutions that maybe have had slower adoption than they initially had hoped. But is, again, setting an example of what's possible for folks to um, utilize. Our contract and chargeback process is none of the above. It's really the industry leaders asking us to solve a shared pain point. Um, it's an ROI uh, use case. It's not regulation. Um, but again, I think the more and more people see real use cases um, in ways that they understand how it's being used, 
it will absolutely immediately start others in other industries seeing what's possible and will drive that impetus um, and grow from there. And I do think that's been part of the slow work. I think I mentioned it earlier, so many people had technology and went to talk to maybe one or two companies. Um, and really what we have found is it's the combination of both the technology and the social engineering that's necessary to bring the um, critical mass to really have enough voices at the table that you've designed a protocol that is valuable to all companies in the industry. And that's been our aim since the beginning. You bring up a, a great point around real world use cases. And that's something I'm really excited about um, at BIDA this year is we're pushing into uh, building out uh, a reference architecture around some really exciting uh, potentially cross-border and multi-transport mode use cases. Um, I'd encourage everybody to get involved and check out our work at Bita.studio. Um, how can people learn more about Chronicled and, and, and how can they get involved? Yeah, so again, we've got production solutions that are available. So even if you maybe aren't an early adopter, it's still a great time right now to um, contact us and we can demonstrate for pharmaceutical companies and wholesalers and hospital groups and GPOs, um, the value proposition we think this can bring. And similar to what I said before, we also have companies that recognize getting in there and participating is where a lot of the lessons are gonna come from. So there's been a lot of work not to uh, dissuade folks from hiring consulting practices, but getting in on a real solution and doing a real implementation provides a huge set of lessons learned and that time is now. So we'd be thrilled uh, to talk to people. And if they have new use case ideas that could benefit a multi-company, uh, you know, cross-trading partner uh, automation and um, real-time settlement, um, that's the sweet spot. And I think that's the thing, uh, as we hear from other people, we'll definitely kick off new work groups and uh, to solve those new problems. Awesome. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us and sharing with us uh, stories of success and uh, for painting the picture around the actual state of inter enterprise DLT uh, technology adoption. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of the FreightWaves Health and Pharma Supply Chain Summit. Thanks so much.